This week's podcast brought to you by Rebarbatives. We saw the musical Hamilton uh, a week or two ago in Boston and have been playing the Hamilton soundtrack pretty much on a loop ever since in the kitchen. And it was just last night, two weeks later, that our eight-year-old said while listening to the opening number of that beloved musical, somewhat skeptically, Dad, is this actually Alexander Hamilton singing? Says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Tuesday, as we record this, we both just came back from the polling place. We voted, and we voted in the auxiliary gym at the high school. Uh, I was probably hosting pickup basketball this morning, senior pickup basketball, converted into a polling place by uh, 8 a.m. or whatever time it opened. And it got me thinking how many, how, how the, the gym is the center of uh, American life for some people present company included well let's let's start by talking about how absolutely efficient our polling place is it is fantastic the parking isn't ideal but once you find a place to park we've never had to wait in line you go in you say the parking isn't ideal i don't know if you noticed on the door it said drive up voting available in a certain spot you can drive through vote i I don't know i don't know if you place your vote through a curbside clown (laughs) and get fries with that but yes for people who can't get out of the car we're not mobile well it's we've never had to wait whether it's a a midterm election presidential election whenever and there's a lot of people that are going through there but our town is so efficient in the way they manage it you know you you read about people waiting in line for hours to vote that never happens with us and kudos to our town they really do a fantastic job of it it's not inefficiency in other towns always it's being starved of funding and other things but what i what i'm talking about is the gym the auxiliary gym with the with the kickballs and the basketballs and the badminton shuttles stuck up in the rafters you know sometimes it's uh a cafeteria for a banquet sometimes it's uh it's the scene of a memorial service or something sometimes you're voting and sometimes you're you're playing basketball or or bombardment in there and uh you know what a versatile place in society the and, gym and ours that gym is not called the auxiliary gym auxiliary gym it's called the community gym just for that reason everyone in the community uses it for this thing or that thing uh, once the basketball season it gets into full swing our kids will have games there on on sundays and uh yeah there's a lot of stuff that and, happens in that spot. and our seventh graders uh, aau team has two parents named jim and and i've named one of them the main gym and the other one auxiliary gym and i think they really appreciate that well auxiliary gym doesn't care for it at all <laughs> this morning we voted last week uh was halloween and uh always on halloween you take our kids out trick-or-treating i stay home and, and give out the candy i may or may not have a couple of girlfriends who come over and and uh have a glass of wine while we're giving out that candy but anyway the favorite thing i heard on the steps one from one of the kids was you know because i had bought a bunch of 
good candy. And then I bought one bag of sort of like... Bad candy. The bad candy. Yeah, it was a bag that had a ton of pieces in it. But basically, it was just to augment the good stuff that we put in the Individually kids wrapped half Twizzlers. Yeah, they were, it was terrible. It was terrible. And and you, I knew there was some backhanded compliment coming from you because the Halloween night I come down the stairs, I'd ask you to go grab the bags of candy because we had stored some of them in the basement. And you said, uh, you started the sentence with, I really appreciate you buying the candy, which of course meant that a dig was coming after that. And you, but then what did you follow it up with? I don't know, but I, it was I'm something sure it was, like, I'm sure but this, you this can't is... give out, you can't give out an individually wrapped Twizzler. <laughs> But you said, but this is terrible. Yeah, there were Twizzlers in it. There were uh, Jolly Ranchers in it. There was chocolate flavored Laffy Taffy. It's it's fine. It's fine if you give out one Laffy Taffy, but you also have to give out a single egg every time you hand out one of those. (laughs) I mean, it was it was a bag full of terrible candy. But I just, you know, I would give out a couple pieces of good candy and then throw in some of the bad candy. But anyway. My favorite thing I heard as a boy was walking away from the steps after looking at the candy was, what's a Jolly Rancher? <laughs> Seriously? What's a Jolly Rancher? Well, let's, let's, and, how about next year? You go out with the kids, I'll buy the candy. You go take the kids trick-or-treating and I'll, I'll stay home and drink with a couple of girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, this is the one, one night a year, I think, where um, you, you do the harder work than I do, but it's become our tradition. This is, this is what, this is what we do. And, but the, the other thing that I was thinking about for Halloween is they don't make my favorite candy in a fun size. I would love to give out my favorite candy in a fun size. And my favorite candy growing up was the candy bar, whatchamacallit which is, um, I don't even know, it's sort of a ricey, crispy, chocolatey uh, thing with caramel in it. It's delicious, but they don't make it in a fun size. Do is there even, any other... Do they even make it in a non-fun yes. size? Yeah, they still do, because I still see it sometimes, um, you know, at CVS or, or wherever. You only the see it aisle. at little sort of nostalgic uh, throwback candy spots on the Cape, don't you? No, are you, at, you you still see it in wherever they wherever candy is sold. But are there any other candy bars like a whatchamacallit that they don't make in fun size i don't think so i think oh, it's the only one and it's because it's my favorite what is less fun than a fun size get the regular size and then you don't have to get the fun size the regular size is at least three times as much fun as the I fun know, size. but the whole point of the fun size is you can eat like four or five of them and pretend that you haven't just eaten two full-size candy bars well i certainly every night uh before i go to bed i, I remove about 11 uh whoppers wrappers from my pockets the the individually wrapped whoppers um, they come in and supposed to come with three, but every once in a while you find a wrapper with just two of them. It's kind of the reverse when you would get peanuts at the baseball game and you'd crack open the shell. And sometimes there, instead of uh, two peanuts in there, there would be three in there. I am, or edamame, you know, when you it's, it's I squeeze the uh, whoppers out of the little bag yes, like, yes. like edamame. Yes, I'm going to read right now a screenshot of a text I took that you sent me. And uh, maybe I'll even post it on our Instagram well, well, Not site. without my consent. Not without your consent. Um, it says, this is from you. It says, it's 8.33 a.m. and I've eaten three bags of Whoppers. You need to come home and intervene. And I said, I'm on my way. You responded, it may be too late. And it was. This came in at 8.59 a.m. Oh, no, it came in at 8.33. So at 8.33, you'd already eaten three bags of Whoppers. But why Whoppers? Like if there's if there was such a thing li- as a breakfast candy... Would it be a Whopper? 
Like you, we had a big bowl of leftover candy. There was I think all a, I kinds think a, of things a, to choose from. A Whopper, and you chose actually, a Whopper. a Whopper actually is a good breakfast candy. It has the same shape as a lot of cereals, tricks, or uh, Cocoa Puffs. Yeah, I suppose puffs. it looks like co- yeah. Cocoa Puffs. Okay. So. And, and, and it's twice as nutritious as either of those. <laughs> Half as much sugar. So, uh, so yeah. So what is a Jolly Rancher? And um, and if anyone. If anyone well, can think maybe, of a candy that's the, not made in a in a fun size, especially a mainstream candy. Well, the Marathon Bar was never made in a fun size. It actually had a ruler on the back to show you how long the thing was. Is. Well, you'll have to look it up. But uh, um, The other thing I was thinking about was there are definitely candies that taste better when they're put in the refrigerator or freezer, like a Charleston Chew. I don't like a Charleston Chew at room temperature, but if that thing's been frozen, it just gives it a little bit of a different texture and flavor. Kit Kat, I think, is a, is much better once it's been frozen. Same thing with a Crackle Bar or a what, um, what about a Bitto Honey Crunch? Oh no, Bitto Honey is terrible either way. Um, Do they still make Bitto Honey? I think they still make Bitto Honey, but that would be something you'd only find at like a, a penny candy store. Every I was time also... I hear every time I hear Bitto O'Rourke, I think of Bitto Honey. I do. <laughs> um, well, there you go. But uh, but anyway, there are definitely some candies that are better frozen. And um, and those are some of them. Well, you know, we're talking about eating. I, I had an experience last week. You don't know about this, and you'll be pleased to learn of it, where I was running an errand somewhere, and I was a bit peckish. And so I stopped at Chipotle and ordered a burrito. This was last week? Yeah. To, well, I can only imagine how this ends, but go ahead. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't end badly or well. I, I, just, I just made the uh, error of that when... Uh, the lady asked if I needed napkins. I, I said, no, do you get napkins? Or maybe I just declined to, to pick up the napkins at the at the napkin island, now that I think about it. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it was. Either way, I had in my head, do I need napkins? No, I don't need napkins. Because what could go wrong while eating a burrito off your lap in the car? This I, was a to-go food? Yeah. The, okay. the, the burrito is a good to-go food because it's we, self-contained. But it's, it's, it's not. A, it's We've a, already uh, had this discussion before that it's not a to good to-go food. You learned that a while ago. But anyway, what it's, happened it's this the, time? It's the lunchtime equivalent of a hand fruit. <laughs> okay. So what happened? What happened was I ate it. I wasn't driving. It's not. A, it's like the Whopper, like the full-sized Whopper, not the fun-sized Whopper Junior, but the full-sized Whopper. It's not a food that you can eat behind the wheel. It's it's too, too but ungainly. But I you were behind the wheel. So you were behind? I was behind the wheel parked. Okay, outside well, of Chipotle. This, but this, this I is... thought that would be I thought that would be one degree less depressing than eating by myself inside the Chipotle. It turns out I was wrong because when I uh, made the fatal decision not to get napkins and put napkins in the bag, I found myself with uh, having to clean myself up. And as a result, I caught myself in the rearview mirror, as other pedestrians did at this outdoor mall, uh, finishing the burrito and then wiping my face with the chipotle bag i mean there's so many things to talk about here first of all why wouldn't you just sit in the chipotle to eat your burrito or, or walk back in and get some napkins well no well first of all you should have just sat in the chipotle especially now that you you everyone has their phone on them you can you know sit there and eat while looking at your phone or whatever there's there's no reason to feel weird about being alone in a chipotle of all places maybe if you are in like the mcdonald's play area by yourself as a grown adult that would be weird but chipotle you're fine and then to um to use the bag for your face instead of going back into the chipotle to get a napkin is odd i I now remember that it wasn't the napkins that i declined i just didn't pick those up at the napkin dispenser what i declined was the receipt and i regretted that while i was sitting there because i knew that if i had gotten the receipt 
I could have wiped my face with it. In fact, if I had gotten the receipt at CVS, I could have showered with the thing and toweled off with the <laughs> That's true, with all the coupons receipt. at the end of that. But but see, again, that's where um, you and I differ, is you, instead of regretting grabbing a napkin, you regretted taking the receipt because that would have been able to clean your face. But no, I um, you had not told me that story. And, and, and now I have. And now you have, and I'm, I'm so glad to know it. I'm going to rewind a little bit back to Halloween. On October 31st, I was at ESPN because we had our Women's College Basketball National Media Day where they bring in some of the top college players, some of the top coaches. You do interviews and stuff. And Eric Freed was there. And Eric is one of our play-by-play voices. Um, He's going to be doing the play-by-play this coming weekend. I'll be out um, doing the Baylor at Arizona State game, which is being played on a Navajo reservation. I can't wait. It's going to be such a unique environment in which to call a game. He's calling our Notre Dame game. But indoors in an arena, right? Yes, yes. Not like the aircraft carrier game. Right, right, right. No, it's in a beautiful arena that just happens to be on a reservation. Um, Eric's calling the UConn-Notre Dame game that Kara Lawson and I will be working with him. Uh, So anyway, he lives in New Hampshire, and he was telling us that the night before they celebrated Halloween. From 5 to 8 p.m. on October 30th, their town, I don't know if it's a statewide thing, but their town tells them this is when you celebrate Halloween. And he said, he made the joke, you know, in New Hampshire where the license plate is live free or die, um, except on Halloween where we tell you to celebrate it the day before. So didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I can understand if a town or a state says, you know, we're going to have everyone celebrate Halloween on Sunday or Saturday, you know, on a weekend um, or earlier in the day because for the safety of the kids. But to move it from the 31st, which was a Wednesday, to the 30th, which was a Tuesday, makes absolutely no sense to me at all. Well, I, I was at our son's soccer practice uh, at dusk the night before Halloween, and they were trunk or treating in the park. And one of the parents said, you know, we tell our kids not to take candy from strangers or to approach cars when, when beckoned. And then, then we have trunk or treat where, where kids approach cars in the parking lot for candy. And Well, in some of those trunk or treat functions, they don't give away candy. Instead, they give away all that stuff that I love from the dollar store, like the uh, plastic spider rings, plastic spider rings, and plastic pumpkin rings, pumpkin and, pencils, and erasers, and pencils. Did you ever notice too that the pencils that you get from a dollar store, the erasers don't work? It's like they just put them on there as a decoration. It's well, like a piece of waxy crud that doesn't erase anything. They don't need to because the pencils don't work either. Yeah, the pencils don't work well. They're hard to sharpen. But anyway, those those trunk or treat functions. I sound like such a curmudgeon. Are, uh, are wonderful. Um, you know, a, a guy associated with Halloween that I associate with Halloween anyway, just because of all the ghouls and uh, monsters in his books, uh, is Roald Dahl. And I was listening to a Desert Island Discs podcast interview from 1979 with Roald Dahl, and this is slightly off topic, but it made me think of this. And he was asked what his writing routine is. People love to ask writers what their writing routine is. And, and your writing routine is you sit down, you start writing. It's very boring. Sometimes people will say they would like to shadow you at work, and uh, that consists of what you would sit in the next chair while the guy sat and wrote all day. But anyway, Roald Dahl, and he was pretty prolific, so I think I'm going to give this a shot. His writing routine, he said very seriously, is he, he would write from 10 until noon and again from 4 until 6 p.m. with a drink at noon and a drink at 6 was uh was he single? Because that sounds like the life of a. Oh, he, he wasn't single, single and he was he was also uh, produced. He was just, 
a lot of books. And he said any, any more writing than that in, in any given day would, would ha- lead to diminishing returns. So you know what? We should I think come up. I, it's, I don't think it's the time that it, that's not being put in. I think it's it's not having the, the, the day drinking is yeah. what's hurting me. Well, this is what I think. I, I, let's try this just for our, our entertainment. Let's get a routine for you that involves in the morning, um, we'll find some like walk-up song or hype music that we'll play as you walk from you know, like the kitchen into your office. We'll play some hype music. And then uh, let's get a real routine. Like for basketball players, it's, you know, you get your, you put your right sock on before your left, you put your right shoe on. Let's get some sort of routine okay, for it. you in I, terms I, of getting dressed. I, I have it. We're going to wake up to We Will Rock You slash We Are The Champions. Okay. Okay. 6 a.m. because I got to be out, out the door at 6.55 okay. for the morning high school commute. And, but no, but this uh, is to get you, I, I think you get up in a normal way, but when you come back from dropping our daughter off at high school, I think when you're getting into your writing mindset and you're going to go into your writing space, this is when the routine starts. So we get the hype music going. I think we, maybe you even, you know, put the baby powder on those, on those gentle fingertips that are going to be typing away. Clap you, it. you do the clap. The like, microphone drops from the ceiling and we get, let's get ready to no, rumble. No, but I'm, 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 let's, let's, let's really do this thing. Let's, let's play some music. Let's get the, let's get the powder for your fingertips. You know, maybe you even go, you grab like three pencils and you go up to the electric sharpener and like zoom, 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 and just, you know, get your juices flowing. So you're ready to write. And um, and then we'll figure out, you know, maybe there needs to be one more element of this routine, I think, that can really bring it home well, for I, you. Well, I think the other element that's necessary besides some kind of a robe, like a fighter's robe with my name on the back, would be um, the book I'm reading right now is a memoir of uh, by John Banville of, of kind of being a young man in Dublin in the 1950s and 60s. And just the other day, reading a few pages, I noted three words he had used that I don't think I've ever used in writing and may have never used in speech, uh, though they're great words. And I'm now going to make a point. I'm going to, I'm, I don't have to make a point of using them in speech because I'm going to tell you right now what they are. You can all use them in speech. And, um, and then I will have used them in speech today. They are. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Betizen. 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 Okay. Not a citizen. Not like the, the bed is the in bed. the other room. Bed is in. There you go. You've used it. All right. No, bedizen, B-E-D-I-Z-E-N, to sort of bedazzle something, to, to decorate gaudily. This is probably my favorite, and I have to get this into conversation several times a day now. Rebarbative. 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 Okay, give me the definition of rebarbative. <laughs> can you just say can, can rebarbative? You, rebarbative. Does, and, and I feel like I'm at the spelling bee. Rebarbative. Can you tell me the word's origin, please? It, it, it was used, used in the context of a building, and I think it's usually used in the context of a building as sort of uh, offensively unattractive, like a brutal architecture, rebarbative. Okay, like sometimes your your office is so messy it is rebarbative. Well, Could I, I use I it in I, that way? I, I, you may. Okay, so bedizen, rebarbative, and what's our third one, please? <laughs> the bedizen, yes. From bedizen. Sleepy's called in <laughs> the, the bedizen. <laughs> And Your rebarbative bed is in. Number three is Saturnine. 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 S A T U R N, like Saturn. Right. I-N-E. Sad, sullen, morose, melancholy. Right. Saturnine. So, this is my question. When you saw those words in yes. his, you knew what they meant. Well, I, you know from the context. 
if if he's you knew it rebarbative if he's going on about rebarbative building you're so full of crap there's no way you knew what rebarbative meant what about me makes you think i didn't know what the word rebarbative Uh, what about you makes you think that you've ever not been full of crud you honestly are going to tell me you knew what rebarbative meant i i i I just told you what rebarbative meant. You can, well, you can that's because you had a chance to look it up between then and now. How does anybody learn what any word means right. unless they look it up? Okay, so this uh, is... You're not born with... So with, this is now the, part of your writing routine. We're going to, like, get a whiteboard or something in there, and you can r- write these new words on whiteboard. And then you'll say, Bet is in, who's your daddy? Bet is in, I own you. I can use you, Bet is in. And then you'll go to rebarbative. And do the same thing. I guarantee thing. you, I guarantee you <laughs> one of the nine people listening to this right now will use rebarbative before sundown. I think rebarbative would be the least likely of those three u- words to be used. Bet is in, I could see that that's the one that's to like bedazzle. You can easily find a way to use that one. And what was the third one? Saturnine, which is not that uncommon a word. What was, what was the definition of Saturnine? Morose, melancholy, Okay, those are gloomy. easier to use than a piece of architecture being ugly. Oh, I, I, I see all kinds of rebarbative buildings on a daily basis. Oh. You know you know the, those signs you see in the center of town? Ugly houses? You know, right. we buy ugly houses. We buy rebarbatives. Can you use it as we a noun? We buy rebarbative homes. Or can you, can we noun it? It's not like an, Can we make it a noun? Can we say like a, we buy rebarbatives? Sure, why not? I, I like this new game. We made, All right, so next week, you need to bring three new words to me that you've learned the previous week. I will. Yep. I know you will. But not new to me. These need to be words that are new to you, even though there's no such thing, apparently. I was going to say, at this stage, they may not be three words unless they've been invented. <laughs> unless they are neologisms. Uh, neologisms? Yes. Which not is me, what? Huh? Neologisms, new, words, new coinages. New, okay. Neo. Well, it could, or it could just be phrases that like people like our daughter use that are old words but with new meanings. Perhaps. Perhaps. Speaking of words, and those those are all musical words: rebarbative, betizen. I mean, that's a nice poetic word. Saturnine. They're nice. They they sound nice. the The guy who won the New York City Marathon, who's also won the Boston Marathon, is an Ethiopian runner named. Lalisa DeSisa. Lalisa DeSisa. L-E-L-I-S-A. D-E-S-I-S-A. That's a beautiful word a to beautiful say. Name. Name and you repeat say, it, yeah. it almost sounds, if you repeat, it sounds like a fast running gait. You can, it's, it's like a word that's in motion. It it's almost requires permanent italics, so it's sort of leaning forward and uh, in constant motion. Lalisa DeSisa. Doesn't it? It does. Uh, can I go back to rebarbative for a second? Well, though? I think people have had their fill of rebarbative, but, but sure. like, if you're going to use a word in conversation, because most people that that you would that we know, if you used that word, like, what would be the point? Would it be just to show them that you know the word that they don't know what it is, or like, wouldn't you be a little self conscious about I, I would, using I a word not, that other people, I, of course, would of look course. at you and say, "What a wanker to use that yes, word." Yes. Okay. People would say, what a wanker. Okay, but people so... look at me anyway and say, what a wanker, <laughs> before I've used the word. Yeah, that's probably In true. fact, uh, I have one of my cherished possessions is a, is a signed book, a uh, book signed by the travel writer and historian Bill Bryson, who wrote a book about his travels in England called Notes from a Small Island. And when it came out, a friend of mine was at a book signing of his and had Bryson sign a copy to me and it says and he, he signed it 
according to my friend Merrill's instructions, he signed it to Steve Russian, a real wanker. <laughs> and I have that now on my bookshelf. I like it. Well, here's something I, I've got a question for you. I, a couple years ago, a couple summers ago, I brought our son to a Nats game, a Washington Nationals game, and purchased tickets. And so now almost you know, a few times a week, I get an email from the Nats for whatever reason, selling tickets or whatever. So this is the email I got from them today. And I found it interesting. And but I don't know if it if I understand it fully. But the the header from the email was peep these four presidential ticket plans, peep these four presidential ticket plans. Of course, I know what that means. But when I opened it up, Abe's plan was get you tickets to most Friday games. George's plan get you tickets to most Sunday games. Tom's plan, Thomas Jefferson, they have like pictures and caricatures of all these presidents. They have the racing presidents. Most weekday weekday games. And Teddy's balanced mix of weekday and weekend. But how do they choose that like Abraham Lincoln, which which president goes with which day? Is there actually a connection there that I should know that if I looked something up that, you know, Abraham Lincoln. No. Yes. He he, he loved to attend baseball games on Fridays. Well, I don't know. Like, were there certain days of the week? Like, you know, was the Gettysburg Address given on a Friday? Like, do you think there was that much thought in, put into no, it? or none, or none it was whatsoever. No. no thought at I, all. I just, when you're saying this, all I'm thinking is, how would you like to be sitting behind Lincoln, 6'4", in a stovepipe hat at a baseball game? Well, just put a stovepipe hat on and go to a baseball game, and then you can ask the person behind you. <laughs> oh, on the other hand, it would be pretty cool to be sitting behind Lincoln. That is true. I'm going to bring up something that may get me in trouble. Um, we've been talking about candy and food and wiping your face with the receipt at Chipotle. And you're beginning your uh, returning to your broadcasting duties for college basketball and, and your coaching duties for our kids. And so evenings, you're gone a lot. And as I say this, knowing that I may be walking into a into a hornet's nest here, but I mean this as a sincerely as a sign of uh, motherly love. I think there's no greater sign than our much battered crock pot that is, uh, oh, I'm getting a look from you already, <laughs> that is in in pretty constant use these days. You have to leave in the morning. You had to leave yesterday around lunchtime and didn't get back till 10 o'clock to run a clinic in New York. And uh, the notion that there's always some some kind of meat melting in the crock pot this time of year, it kind of uh, fills my heart with, with... With what? Heartburn, no, and warmth. Uh, it fills your heart with, um, what's the word again? It's, it's The the it's broke down buildings. Rebarbative. It makes you feel like rebarbative. It, 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 does, it does, rebarbative not feel, does not make me feel saturnine. Well, see, first of all, I would say tops. The only thing that you really should say is no, thank you. No, that's no, a lovely no, sentiment. that's not what I should say. First of all, this time of year when I'm like after school, I, I can be gone for a few hours if I'm coaching one of the kids' teams. It's maybe twice a week tops that, I, that the meal ends up or, being a crock or, or pot three. meal. three. No, no, tw- twice tops. But There's nothing wrong with it. They're, and they're pretty good. And there's the, plenty of right, right this, with it. Although this one of the what, kids did say the other day, what is it? The meals, the, the stuff I've, the meats I've had in the crock pot the last few times have been really, really tasty. How about this? And maybe some of the the spouses of those who, and, and who sh- use the crockpot. Shouldn't they rebrand as something else? It sounds so close to crackpot. Right. Um, let me finish. So this was last week. It may have been even a Halloween. I don't remember which day it was, but I was going to be gone. So I put like a nice, nicely marinated chicken in the crockpot 
ended up being really good. I told you there are there's like crescent rolls or something in the fridge. All you have to do is cook them. And then there was some kind of vegetable to be made so that our children could have a meal, even though I wasn't going to be here. I came home to find out that you didn't bother to do the vegetable or the or the bread. So all the kids got on their plate was the meat that had been marinating in the crock pot. That's not a meal. That's a meat. And if I'm going to go through the I think, effort, I think no, actually, hold I don't, on. I'm not sure I put it on a plate. I think I put it on a, on a paper towel. It was meat on a sheet. <laughs> if, if I'm going to go through the effort of purchasing this food, planning out the meals for the week, and then on nights when I can't be here to make the food, to put it in the crock pot, you can at least put the, the rolls in the oven to make it a little bit more of a meal versus just a meat. And and the other thing is sometimes like I will. I, I fear that my my ode to the crockpot is backfiring. Yes, it's on me. backfiring on you big time because there's other times where I'll you know spend an hour in the morning making um, something. So you know so all you have to do is heat it up in the oven, and there's always some complaint or something that comes with that or, or the same thing you forget to make whatever sides go with well, it. Last night I'm last just saying night. I put a lot of effort I even know. when I'm working to be I, a good mom. That's why and to that's feed why I family. bring it up. That's why I bring it up. There's something, always something, melting in the crock pot, and it's and Twice it's and it's tops. and it's always my heart. Yeah. All right, go away. If 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 I thought that our kids would our kids would still eat, I wouldn't. If I left it up to you, I would do that. But they won't. They'll they'll eat egos and goo. And uh, and pop tarts and stuff. So I think I'm peak... still going to probably twice a week this time of year have meat in the crock pot, and I just ask, give them some sides with the meat, please. I, I think peak our house would be if we could get our eight year old to eat crock pot meat <laughs> in the bathtub. <laughs> oh yes, that would be ideal. You can eat meat in the tub, but you can also eat meat in an Uber, and even though that's not what this story is about, I think it's still time for an Uber driver confession. He drives part-time, it's not his chosen profession, but it gives him a chance to share his life's lessons. It's time for the segment we call Uber Confession. This isn't so much an Uber confession, technically, as a response to last week's Uber confession. Last week's Uber confession, we mentioned uh, somebody on Twitter, excuse me, had posted his driver's name was Christ, C-H-R-I-S-T, or Christ. And he had gotten a telephone notification from Uber that said, Christ has arrived in a Hyundai Elantra. Mm -hmm. Over the weekend, Christy writes, so this is sort of a viewer mail Uber confession combined. Over the weekend, Christy writes, um, I heard your latest Uber, I read your latest Uber confession to my husband, Tom, who is both a history professor and a Lutheran pastor. He replied, Christ does not drive a Hyundai. He drives a Honda. In response to my quizzical look, he quoted John 12, verse 49, quote, I do not speak of my own accord. He also provided a visual representation, and here is a, a picture of Jesus Christ standing next to a Honda Accord. And the, uh, the notation, Jesus drove a Honda but didn't talk about it. Quote, for I did not speak of my own accord, John twelve forty nine. That was definitely your favorite viewer mail. Possibly of all time. Of all time. Kids, it's time to answer our voluminous viewer mail, which has uh, been piling up over the last five or six days. I've got one from Twitter, which is at Ball and Chain Pod. And uh, this comes from Bobby. And I had tweeted about um, 
giving our daughter, you giving our daughter ice cream while she was in the bath. And Bobby says, your tweet says, quote, bath. But in the podcast, you both kept saying, take a tub. Where does that come from? That used to be the phrase my mom used when we were a kid. She'd say, it's time to take a tub. I just thought that was universal until we had our own kids. And you said something to me about take a tub. Like, where are you taking the tub? That. Yeah, that. We took a tub as a kid. Okay. Well, somebody said something about that. Like, it's a weird phrase to use in terms of, you know, taking a bath, I think is more normal than taking a tub. So Bobby, I don't know exactly where it comes from. I just know that's what my mom used to say. She, or she'd say, you know, when, when, when I had my own kids and they were really little, my mom would say, you know, let's give them a tubby. So yeah, we, we would take a tub and we'd give the kids a tub. Rub-a-dub-dub, three men in a tub. Yeah, but you're in the tub, but I don't think everywhere in the country do they take the tub. I think they take a bath. I don't know where Bobby's from. Rubber ducky, I'm awfully fond of. Rubber ducky, I'd like a whole pond of you. So then uh, here's one from Jennifer. She said, um, Jimmy V, because we talked, I called you the anti-Jimmy V a couple podcasts ago. Jennifer said, Jimmy V said to laugh, cry, and think every day, not laugh, cry, and love. So you are the anti-Jimmy V in two of those. You don't laugh and you don't cry. But you do think. And so you, you've got one out of three. So you can't be the complete anti-Jimmy V. I said it was laugh, cry, and love. But of course, it's laugh, cry, and think every day. Our resident librarian, uh, librarian Myra, uh, sends this to ballandchainpod at gmail.com. Myra, first of all, tells me how uh, libraries pay for books and often buy multiple copies of the same title. I'm sure I'm not sure how royalty calculations work, depending on whether the buyer is a library, retailer, or wholesaler. But libraries do buy the materials in their collections. Of course, they do. We've we've had this discussion. People have asked, "Do you get royalties when a library uh, checks out the book?" But no. But of course, libraries buy those books. So our resident librarian provides that. But here's why she's writing. I thought I'd share a story that came to me during a past podcast. I was going to provide a very positive review of your Steve's music recital of a few weeks ago, but then decided that based on my level of music ability. I'm not the most qualified judge. Uh, I played clarinet in junior high school in Minnesota, and one summer we were required to take individual lessons from J. Robert McEldowney Jr., son of J. Robert McEldowney, the school band teacher, and Hazel McEldowney, the school orchestra teacher. I don't know that these names play into the story, but how great a name is J. Robert McEldowney Jr.? The first thing he wanted me to do was to just play anything I knew, and even though this was a year or two into my music career, the only thing I could manage to play was Wind Twins, and I was proud of such an accomplishment. Since J. Robert Jr. had apparently grown up in a household of culture, unlike my household of sports and pop culture, he'd never heard of the song and also probably had never heard of the Minnesota Twins. So he didn't know what to make of the situation, and to say the least, he was not impressed. He must have given up on such a hopeless cause, or maybe I skipped out of the rest of the lesson since a year or two later, when my clarinet career ended, Wind Twins was still the only song that I could play. Do you know the song Wind Twins? I, I don't. I, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I'm sure if you play Hummed it for a few me. bars? Yeah, please hum a few bars. We're going to win twins. We're going to score. We're going to win twins. Watch that baseball soar. Knock out a home run. Shout a hip hooray. Cheer for the Minnesota Twins today. Um, no, but I, I I applaud the fact that that's the only song. If you're going to know one song, it should be, you know, a song like that, a fight song or something similar. There's a second verse. Can I oh, finish? I'm sorry. Yes. We're going to win more. twins. Give it your all. We got the guys. We'll knock the cover off the ball. Let's hear it now for the team that came to play cheer for the Minnesota Twins today. You got it. A few weeks ago on the podcast when we were talking about um, grocery carts being left in the middle of parking lots and and people sent us pictures and videos from Aldi grocery stores because that's the one that you 
get your quarter returned to you when you return your cart. And I've never seen an Aldi. Is that my pronouncing that right? I've never seen an Aldi. Don't I don't know what part of the country they're in, but we had quite a few people sending us stuff um, about the about the Aldi supermarket, including one person sent a tweet and it said Aldi is where I can get my prosciutto. This was this great thread. So the first the first tweet in the thread is Aldi is where I can get my prosciutto, followed up by it's where I got my squatty potty. So <laughs> apparently Aldi not only knows what's going on in terms of returning your carts to the cart return, but um, from prosciutto to squatty potty, I think that should be their catchphrase. Squatty potty, S-Q-U-A-T-T-I-P-A-T-T-I, sounds almost like a pasta. It does. Prosciutto if you, if to squatty potty. It that way, yeah. I'll have this, uh, the squatty potty with shaved prosciutto on top. And staying in the theme of um, foods slash not foods, Jane sent us a tweet saying, you do know cake by the ocean isn't about cake, right? I do know that, yes. And you know what, darn it, I don't care what anyone says. In my brain, it's going to be about cake that you actually eat while sitting by the ocean. But yes, we do know that. Thank you. Uh, uh, Let's see here. Anne. Anne writes to uh, the Gmail account. She writes, uh, I think I'll check this book out of the library. And she includes from Amazon a screenshot of my book, Road Swing, the UK edition paperback that is uh, listed at, uh, for $6,129 plus $3.99 for shipping. I wonder what, what $6,000 for, uh, is that's for Road Swing? Hardcover or paperback? I, I'd, I'd happily send her one out of my own collection. It's, it's the UK edition paperback. Perhaps it was signed by Bill Bryson. Perhaps it totally was. Totally escalating its uh, its value. But I do remember when that, that book was coming out in paperback, I flew to London and met with the British publisher, the editor, the, the new editor for, for the UK edition. And um, I met him at what must have been my hotel the morning that I arrived after an overnight flight and somewhat discombobulated, not having yet recombobulated at, at Gatwick. Uh, he met me in the lobby and... Somebody came over and asked if we would like a drink, a, a, a waiter. And I said, sure. And I looked at the menu and I ordered a Carlsberg. Which is a beer. It's a beer, but I didn't realize I was ordering a, a Carlsberg special brew, to which the the uh, editor said, whoa. Uh, I didn't realize that the Carlsberg special brew was like their, their high. High octane. High octane uh horse kick to the head yes at 11 o'clock in the morning on a tuesday especially since that was actually what 5 a.m your body clock time right that's why i ordered it now is there anything different about a the a british edition versus one purchased in the u.s yes. in terms of the content color is spelled c-o-l-o-u-r so they change the spellings of things sure Okay, anything else? Anything else about the actual content? Well, or sometimes is it just some, spelling? some things that were taken for granted here had to be explained over there. You know, certain. Do they put them in parentheses or, or, or uh, what do they no, do? I think you can use put them between commas or, or m dashes. Any kind of a subordinate clause will do. Oh, okay. Interesting. Subordinate clause. That would be a good name for a movie, a, a Christmas movie about a, uh, about a uh, kind of a uh, type B. With what's his name playing? Santa Claus? Uh, playing Santa, um, Angelina Jolene's ex-husband. Remind me of his name. Billy Bob Thornton? Billy Bob Thornton. It's not Angelina Jolene. Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Why would he be playing? He played Bad Santa. Right, because he played Bad Santa. But subordinate clause would be like a... I think subordinate clause would be similar to a Bad Santa. No, it would be the opposite. 
Bad Santa was kind of like a bull in a china shop, as I recall. Subordinate clause would be constantly uh, deferring to everybody. Okay, if that's what you say. All right, I've got one more uh, viewer mail from Twitter. This comes from Greg. And a few a few weeks ago, we talked about how we didn't love the uh, video game machines on the table when we go to a place like Chili's. And he said, I had an autistic son who loved to play with the monitors on the table at Chili's, Red Robin, Applebee's. You can ask your server just to remove it off the table and they will gladly do it. So I didn't even think about that. You know, there are certain situations where for certain people, those uh, video game monitors can be very helpful. And uh, I guess it would be just a lot easier for us to just to say to the server, can you take this away? But it can I, I, be very helpful to other people. It would be like, helpful to, to us. Like Greg. I, it would, it would, it, that's an excellent point from Greg. Thank you for pointing that out. And we don't think oftentimes when we bring these things up. But next time I'm at Chili's, I'm going to do that with, when we're there with our, our kids and say, would you kindly remove this from the table? And it would enhance my enjoyment of the meal. And I'm talking about asking them to remove one or more of our children. Right, of course. I wonder what they would do if you said, listen, I've got four kids here. We need three more monitors because this is 2018 and every kid gets their own device. I wonder if they would bring you extra monitors for the number of children you had at your table. I would ask him, since there's only one outlet, maybe they don't. Maybe it doesn't even require being plugged in, but could you remove this, this monitor and plug in a crock pot at the table? It would make me feel... <laughs> At home, can I? I'd uh, like to throw my my uh, fish taco into the thing. I would like and to watch order, it melt like one of Salvador Dali's clocks. I'd like to order the ribs, no sides, no bread, no anything else. I want to pretend I'm home eating a crock pot meat that my husband has refused to make the sides for. Have we said it all? I think for this week we have said it all. It's a big day. I think all around the country, people are anticipating the outcome of of this midterm election and um who knows how many of the how many we will how many of these outcomes we will know by the time people are listening to this on wednesday morning but uh but enjoy your will will we feel saturnine tomorrow will our 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 political landscape look rebarbative or will it look what was the other one what was the other one the bedazzled one or or will it be bedizened with uh all kinds of bright baubles I'm hoping that um, our outlook on everything will be bedizened by the time we get the results of the election. Tom. Dick. Hari. And Denny Gallagher with one N. Play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pad live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity. To a daily test Androgynous and vigorous Well we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane